Exodus chapter 21. Please read with me verse 32. If the ox, we're, oh, we're talk, we're, we can learn a lot from a d- big dumb animal, can we? If the ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, he, the owner of the ox, shall give unto their master, the, the owner of the manservant or maidservant, 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. Be looking just for a little while this afternoon on the ransom of servants. Ransom of servants. This ox, we again, we've been reading about an ox and used in verses 29 up until where we are in verse 32. And it's the idea expressly talking about an ox, but it would be the same as if it were a, a horse or a camel or a dog or anything else. That if the injury comes at the expense of 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 a beast that these principles would be applied okay so it would be unwise for us to say well it wasn't it wasn't an ox it was a giraffe so therefore I'm clear in the law they'd be missing the greater points here so the ransom of servants uh, something that we can see and we've been looking we've seen ideas behind servants and we've and mastership and ownership and personhood and all that kind of stuff. So now we're, things are starting to come together. And as we've learned and grown through these elements of the law, we should see some pretty amazing things here. In uh, that pushing or goring of a manservant or maidservant, we're reminded immediately of equality, of equality. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, in the context of this assembly, there's no, no member that is more of a member than anybody else of this assembly. Equality. And while we do have uh, order as far as headship goes, the, 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 the men are not more saved or more members than women are. I hope you understand that. Equality. So this is played out here in the law. And we discussed that at length last time when we were looking at personhood. While there are, are roles for the genders in society and in the family and in, in different things, that each one of them, male and female, were equally under personhood, had equal protections under the law. And that idea continues here in this study. Equality. It didn't matter the degree, the degree high or low, of the manservant okay so whether whether this manservant was a really great one look in here look at verse 32 look under the law if he shall push a manservant or a maidservant he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned it doesn't say hey look it'll be this for the chief of the table of your of your servants or if it doesn't say hey look yes well it's one offering for a really great servant and another offering for a really not great servant, that under protections of the law, all men's servants were treated equally. They were treated the same, equality. Okay? So there are certain packages, I guess, that they have in business that, that certain people in business in the higher parts of structure, they have better retirement packages. They have better insurance plans. They have preferred parking spaces. They have all these different things. And that's their, the, the business, whatever, whatever they desire to do, that, that's their prerogative, I suppose. But under the law, under the law of God, the prerogative of God, the, the, the particular uh, season that he has to give these laws, he says that every servant would be treated equally the same under his law. Whether a great servant or a not-so-great servant, they were treated equally. 
It also, he says, that as far as maidservants of high degree or low degree, whether it's a high degree or, uh, you know, the chief cook or the chief this or the chief that, or a lesser degree, maybe the, uh, the one that was of a lower stature of the maidservants, they were to be treated equally as well. Okay, equality. Whether there was a really great one or whether there was a really not great one, such as the men, that they were to be treated equally under the law, whether they were gored or whether they were pushed. That word push means to be gored. Okay? So whether they were pushed, uh, manservant or maidservant, high degree, low degree, manservant, high degree, low degree, maidservant. Immediately, I want you to see, I want you to see in Matthew, the math, in the book of Matthew in chapter 1, okay? Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21, I want you to see something very important. And he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. High degree, low degree, male or female, it matters not. Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. And he equally saves his people from their sins. There's some people that would challenge the belief and even advocate that Jesus loves some more than others. I do not believe that. I believe with the same love with which he loved any of us, he loved all of his people and gave himself a ransom for their sins. That one person who was saved is just as much saved as any other person who was saved. So it doesn't matter of high degree whether it be uh, Joseph of, of Arimathea or Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews, or Lazarus, the beggar outside the, the rich man's gate, high degree, low degree, that the servants of God are treated equally under protections of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also believe on, uh, on, the, 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 uh, on the other end of that, though, you can read in the book of Revelation in chapter 20, I believe on the other side of that, it says in verse 11, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. There was no really great one that stood before God that had a higher stature of someone who was not as great before God. But lo, every one of those that stand before God at that white throne are judged under equal protection or equal judgment under those things that are written in those books. So equality, equality. The, the, uh, the idea that all men are created equal is true. We are all created equal. Man, Adam, Adam and Eve were created in the likeness of, of God and under the fall we're all made after Adam's likeness. Right. Sinners. And sinners saved by grace because of the gospel of Jesus Christ shall all be treated equally in that they are loved and under the protective, uh, protective covering of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, And this was manifested or evidenced the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Who? Those that Jesus died for. Those who came to seek and save. Those here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or covering for our sins. Equality, small or great, rich or poor, skinny or fat, smart or not so smart, under the protection, the servants of God in Jesus Christ are treated equally in his gospel. Those outside of Christ are likewise treated equally and that they're judged according to the things written in the word of God 
and according to their works. Doesn't matter, high or low, small or great. It doesn't matter. Look, it doesn't matter whether it's a manservant or maidservant here in the text. If an ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, you see the same thing happens. You know, people like to have ideas that there are separate rules for men and women. We discussed that in personhood. There's not going to be a line at the great white throne that says, okay, men, you line up here, and women, you line up here. No, the dead, small and great, stood before God. There's not going to be a line in, in the realm of eternity before the throne of God. Men here, women here, and women, men will, would have a, a higher degree of worship than women. No, not so. Not so. He came to save his people from their sins. There is no male or female. Jesus Christ said that. They're as the angels. We'll be as the angels. No male or female. What's that mean? Well, there won't be rank or station, but all faces toward the throne, worshiping God Almighty. That's how the angels worship. So it doesn't matter. And it's, and it's displayed here in the, uh, in the text. It doesn't matter if the ox shall push or gore a manservant or a maidservant. The ransom would be required and the ransom would be the exact same. And, and both have an equal protection under the law and personhood. Both have the same requirement of a ransom to be paid. There is not one sinner saved by the glorious grace and mercy of God Almighty through the gospel of Jesus Christ that did not have a ransom that was paid for them. Small or great, you know, I suppose it's something because of their stature, or their, their person, that they have no need of grace. There is no servant. There is no servant that did not require ransom that had been gored, that had not been pushed. Here you would also see in a practical sense uh, that, that one that owned either the, the servant or the ox, that there was, a reason, uh, there was a reasonable foreseeable protection that they should have applied. As both are equal under the law, the manservant and the maidservant, one master would be a, uh, a, an equal protector of, uh, of that servant. So what do I mean by that? So as having a dog, I am a protector of society by keeping that dog bound against its impulse to bite or to lunge, you see. The, the owner of that ox is responsible for protecting his neighbor's servant. And the owner or the master of that servant is also uh, liable to protect the owner of that ox, meaning he shouldn't send his servant over on errands that would taunt an ox to gore or to push, you see. Both show foreseeable protection or reasonable protection to protect one another and the ox and the servant. They both should have displayed that. It would be reasonable to protect against the neighbor's loss, right? So if I have a servant and I say, hey, look, go fetch that piece of wood in that field and that's in a dangerous place of the ox, I have a reasonable uh, right to protect my neighbor against the stoning of his ox because an ox is going to behave as an ox does. It would be reasonable for me to protect against my neighbor's personal loss. It would be reasonable for me to protect against any and all servants being damaged. It would be reasonable for me to say, you know what, there's a human being, and I'm going to do what I can to protect them against harm any way that I can. It would be reasonable. This would be the basis for providing safe working conditions. So look back in verse 32. If the ox shall push a manservant or maidservant, 
Who sent that maidservant or that manservant in the place where an ox could gorm or push him? Or who did not provide that manservant or maidservant reasonable protection from the ox? Who didn't bind the ox? Who sent the servant? You see how there's, there's plenty of opportunity for both sides of masters to protect their neighbor and to protect uh, their neighbor's property, they're, they're those things under their neighbor's hand. He shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. If, if you look into the New Testament, the, the principle here carries in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. And chapter 4, um, it's... I don't know why the translators started a new chapter, because chapter 4 goes along with chapter 3, okay? Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. So they were to give unto their servants uh, things that, that are just and equal, and that pertains to wages, to food, to clothing, to protecting them, to make sure that they weren't taking advantage of their labors. They were to do that with gentleness and with all personhood. They were to treat them as people and not just as, as an ox or as a horse or a mule or whatever. But they were to treat their servants knowing that they also had themselves a master in heaven. They were to care for them in their sickness and in their injury. We've studied that already. If someone were hurt or injured, that they would cover them through their sickness and through their injury. This passage encourages the master to be diligent in service and thus encourage their servants to be diligent in service and with justice and equality that they were to encourage them in those things. Not give bonuses only to the, to the well-favored and to, the, uh, to the, the, uh, the relative, the friend, that's nepotism, but practicing equality and justice. This passage encourages the, the master and fittingly correcting the disobedient. See, if, if the master doesn't, doesn't correct the disobedient or doesn't correct the servant, then who's, who's the real master and who's the real servant? Think about it in our own homes in a logical way. If a parent never corrects a child, who's running the household? The child is, right? So masters are to fittingly correct the disobedient and that they would indeed have their servants in true servitude but also being equitable between their servants and that without preference they were to continue and, and, and treat their, their servants just the same. That, that, that goes back to what we're looking at in verse 32 of our text. Manservant or maidservant, both were to be equally protected, both were to equally be regarded as people and treated not as, as uh, mere objects, but treated as people and, 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 and protected accordingly. I understand providence. This law gives the owner responsibility in protections here. You see, it's not placing blame here at all, at all toward the manservant or the maidservant. They were in, in what's going on here. It seems like they were performing their duties as a manservant or a maidservant. But this is addressing the, the, the masters of both, the master of the maidservant, manservant, and the master of the ox. But what this really points back to, see the spirituality of what just, what just happened here in verse 32. Look back, if you would, please, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor that thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, 
nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's coveted. Desire it, want it for yourself. So comparing that to how the Lord Jesus Christ elaborated on that very thing in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22 and verses 37 through 40, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if a man truly does love his neighbor, then he truly would not only not covet his manservant, his maidservant, or his ox, but he would actually be a protector of those things. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And truly loving the neighbor, both the, the, the master of the manservant or the maidservant, would, uh, they, that they would desire that the, that the neighbor's ox not be in jeopardy. So they would lay out clear instructions on how the maidservant and the manservant was to perform their duty and not go anywhere near that ox. It would, there'd be a, a, a foreseeable protection and prevention plan, the, ma the master of the manservant or maidservant, preferring not one over the other. And also that master that was over that ox would also have a foreseeable protection plan against his neighbor, that his neighbor, that their servant, manservant or maidservant, would not suffer injury at the, at the cause of anything that they had. Truly loving their neighbor. Watching out for one another. Watching out for one another. They both had responsibility. You see, this was not a law to try to tempt to get 30 shekels of silver. This was a law that one master would protect another master and that they would protect both the manservant and the maidservant and the oxen all. It would be ideal. In reading verse 32, the ideal scenario is that no one got pushed, no one got gored, no money be exchanged, and no ox be stoned. That's the ideal scenario. And that ought to be the ideal scenario as it plays out in our lives. The things that I have in my life should not be a hindrance or a hurt or a harm or a push or a gore to anyone else. I should protect you from those things. Paul spoke about that as far as eating meats to the church at Rome, didn't he? Hey, look, yeah, you can eat what you want, all things. You can eat whatever you want, but if it causes your neighbor to stumble, don't eat it. Don't drink it. We should be protective against our neighbor. Loving our neighbor, we should be protective against it. We should also protect those things that are servant, right? So I, I've, got, I've got a wife and kids, and they are not my servants, but they are under my headship. But also, if you were to read in the book of Romans, how he said your members are, are we're, we're not to yield our members over, over to evil, paraphrasing, but we're to yield ourselves to God, right? So even our, our own bodies in service toward the Lord, we would not cause those things to be in places of harm nor to be used as things that can gore or push someone else unto harm we're truly to see uh, that, that these things are measures of grace that rather than just trying to walk the line how close can my servant get to your ox and nobody get in trouble that we should uh, that we should clearly see the measures of grace of protection and love toward one another toward uh, me toward everything that you have and you toward everything that I have that we should be watchful and mindful over one another in these things in the event that something were to happen if the ox push 
a manservant or a maidservant. There was a ransom for those servants. That is, that the owner of the ox would give the owner of the servant a ransom or a payment. They'd, they'd pay him off. Now, whether the manservant or maidservant, the ransom would be the same. And again, that's the degree of personhood. There, it's not, not one amount of money for a high male servant, manservant, and a different amount for a low manservant, not a high amount for one maidservant and another amount for a low maidservant. Uh, maid not one high amount for a manservant and a low amount for a maidservant, but the same payment of ransom for someone being gored or pushed, whether it be high degree or low degree. And it does not indicate the, the extent of goring either, does it? Doesn't doesn't indicate that. Anybody ever been stepped on by a horse besides me? Anybody ever been kicked by a horse besides me? Anybody ever been bitten by a horse besides me? All that, it, it, all that stuff stinks. It really does. I don't recommend any of it. Whether a broken nail or a broken neck. Broken nail or a broken neck. If the ox push a manservant or maidservant, he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. Well, that sounds severe, doesn't it? Return to the principle of loving your neighbor in equal protections. Don't go near that one. Don't go near that. That that one is uh, that one separated by himself. You know what might actually happen? The owner of a ox that was wont to push, verse 20, 29, But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and had been testified to his owner, and he had not kept him in. Under grace, you know what the owner of that ox would do? The owner of that ox would take it upon himself to put that ox down to protect his neighbor. To suffer that loss of himself. To literally make himself at a loss for his neighbor's sake. Boy, that's a Christ-like principle, isn't it? Didn't the Lord Jesus Christ take up the napkin and wash his disciples' feet? servants to one another, being at a loss for one another, truly loving your neighbor, saying, you know what? It's okay if my ox die that you're not gored by it. That's the true spiritual meaning, I believe, of this text. Now, whether, 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 you know, it be an ox again or a giraffe or a mule or a, a zebra, whatever the animal is, whatever the animal is in my life, that, the, that that master would have been far better off to slay that ox than it be a harm to his neighbor or his neighbor's servant or manservant. Likewise, it, that the, the owner, the master of the manservant or maidservant would have been far better off not to give directive to go over near crazy buffalo over there, but to say, you know what, stay in, stay in, no, do your work over here. Mind, mind yourself. There's danger over there. Walk in uprightness away from harm. So that that man over there, that maybe maybe his ox isn't under control. Well, guess what? Guess what? The loving, neighborly thing to do would not be go over and detente and make faces at the ox, but to give that ox space so that there would be no harm. You're not going to convince an ox to be anything but an ox, right? You're not going to change the nature of an ox. It doesn't mean you've got to go over and poke it with a stick either. 
You see, both masters had responsibility in that, didn't they? Didn't both masters have responsibility, the one of the ox and the other for the manservant or maidservant? Both of them have responsibility to love their neighbor and to take care of everything that was in their domain, whether it's the servant or the ox. This law is set by God Almighty, and therefore it's good. Exodus chapter 21 and verse 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. That is God Almighty speaking to Moses to tell the children of Israel. People want to negotiate the word of God based on their circumstances, don't they? You know, it's easy for us to say because I don't own an ox and I don't, I don't own any servants like what they're talking about in Exodus chapter 21, verse 32. So it's easy for me to, to say these things. But when I'm in the middle of that circumstance, I might want to try to. It would be the, 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 the tendency for a natural man to try to negotiate what's supposed to go on. It says if an ox shall push a manservant or maidservant, doesn't say to what extent or how it did it or whatever, he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. Well, that sounds rigid, doesn't it? People want to negotiate the word of God based on their circumstances. It's so much easier, child of God, to live lives of loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Then try to negotiate the breaching of the law and navigate how do I make a bad scenario worse, you see. When you cast out love of neighbor and you cast out love of God and you're now you're dealing with the consequences of disobedience and pushing and goring and, and ransom and stoning and death and all that kind of stuff, that's the ugly side of man. You see how this verse encourages us unto love. It really does. It really does. Or one master might say, you know what, it, it means this when it's in your life, but it, it, means it means that when it's my life. No, they couldn't negotiate this. This is what the law says. Again, go back to love your neighbor, protecting your neighbor, equal protections under the law. How about if somebody in, in, in the, among the Jews, they said, you know what, I used to believe that until it happened to me. And then I thought, you know what, 20 shekels is enough. And, you know, he, yeah, he bumped into him, he pushed him, but he didn't push him that bad. You know, he didn't push him that bad. I mean, he, he, he's okay. What's the word of God say? It says, love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Protect your neighbor. The Lord Jesus Christ said the law and the prophets hang on, on, on those two principles. And that includes chapter 21, verse 32. The principles of, of living are clearly outlined in the word of God for those who care to read it. And loving your neighbor is clearly laid out in verse 32, chapter 21, verse 32 of the book of Exodus, if we care to read it and understand what it says. You look at the offender, that poor ox gets stoned every time, doesn't he? You look in verse 28 all the way through verse 32. Is there, did the ox ever live? No. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Death. Nobody pleads for the ox. Nobody's crying a river for the ox. Nobody's saying, oh, please, let the ox live. No, the ox dies every time. Whether it was innocent or want to push. Verse 28, innocent, never done it before. Verse 29, want to push it, and had done it in the past, and it was told the master, and he didn't bind it up. doesn't matter. There are no terms for release. There's no probation period. Nobody in the camp of Israel could call up PETA and say, that's not fair. 
Jill and I went on vacation a couple years ago to Smoky Mountains, and we wanted to see the Bear Reserve, and we went over there, and it was all shut down. Bob Barker and PETA came in and said they were cruel and unusual to the bears, and they shut the thing down. No, back in Israel, they could not have called PETA and Bob Barker and shut down the stoning of the oxes. This is what God's Word says. They're outlined there. Take it to the Lord. If you have a problem, and, and, and this verse is reflective of that problem, well, what's the solution? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the solution to Exodus 21, verse 32. That's the solution. I want you to see just for a moment a, a, a parallel, and I believe it's wonderful. It'd be a decent, I believe it would be a decent parallel to see that the ox is the fallen angels without possibility of acquittal. Now, the it's not a perfect parallel and it won't walk on all fours you know as a metaphor and all that but if you if you look at it there's never an opportunity that the that the ox can go free and all of these in mention in question are created beings so it's not like there's one almighty in in this passage besides god himself we're dealing with men and with animals so then, if the, if the ox is a parallel to the fallen angels and there's no possibility of acquittal, think of the mercies and the love and the grace that God showed toward men, that men can be ransomed unto life. Didn't we read that? In verse 30, if there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. Not the life of the ox. Christ doesn't die for the ox. The ransom for the man who was responsible. So it would be a decent parallel, I believe, to see as the offensive owner as man and only freed by a ransom. If you look in the book of Hebrews, please, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. There was no ransom for the angels. There is no salvation plan or redemptive plan for the angels, but for the children of man, yes, and that by the ransom. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be like unto his, be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of of the people. How would he do that? Through the ransom of his own blood. I see in this text when we're reading about the ox and the men and the goring and all that kind of stuff that there is again again a, a decent parallel how that those ox, there's no redemptive plan for them and the law but there was for, for men under the law, redemptive plan and that all picturing the gracious and merciful gospel of Jesus Christ. What is that redemption? Well, you see here that the payment, 30 shekels of silver, the ox shall be stoned. That 30 shekels of silver, and you know, in Matthew chapter 26, I know your minds went there. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14. 
Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said to them, What will ye give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted, or they made a, a deal with him for thirty pieces of silver. No, it wasn't thirty pieces of silver that bought my salvation. But that was the price of a ransom that led unto the, the, the death of Jesus Christ there at Calvary. Man selling man, man selling the Lord, that is, under the hands of men. The ransom here, I believe in the text, points us directly to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. How, how is it that the owner of that ox would not be, what would not be laid down his life? Well, again, in verse 30, then shall he give for the ransom of his life what was laid upon him. In our present text, verse 32, it was 30 shekels of silver. How can someone have a ransom of life from disobeying God and hating their neighbor? Well, that's the, that's the opposite, right? If you don't love your neighbor, you hate him or despise him, think little of him, don't protect him, hurt him. What is the ransom for sinners? Again, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In parallel, then, the just payment for the injured servant of sin is found in the payment of Christ's gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that a man could have done that could undo the pushing of an ox, right? The damage is done, and I'm here to tell you with sin, the damage is done. With, if it were possible that you could go the rest of your life and not sin again, which it's not possible, but if it were possible that you would not sin the rest of your life. The damage is already done, and it is appointed for every man wants to die. You are a sinner, and, and, and I am a sinner. And because of sin, death passed upon all men. What is the ransom for sinners? What is the clear and only ransom for sinners? The ransom of life. What shall it be? The gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's it. That's it. There is no other. And that with all equality, whether manservant or maidservant, whether high-degree servant or low-degree servant, it doesn't matter. The ransom is just the same. 30 shekels of silver pointing to the gospel. Child of God, I would encourage you to live with equity. She Treat all men, all women with dignity and respect. Loving God, have a love toward all people, men and women, dignity and respect. Provide reasonable protections. Okay. Check your brake fluid. Make sure there are no dangers or hazards in your yard. Protect them from your animals. Don't entice them to sin with, with, with our own behaviors. Truly love the Lord and love your neighbor and protect them with all things that are ours and protect them with all things that are theirs. You see someone's servant or see someone's ox out of sort. The loving thing to do is to call up your neighbor and say, Hey, look, out of protection for you and out of protection for me, I love you. Let's get this thing worked out. Wouldn't that be the loving thing for those two owners in verse 32 to have done rather than to come to 
come to come to blows and come to pushing and come to injury and come to payment and come to death. It'd be so much easier just to. They didn't have phones, but you know, sketch it down on a on a piece of uh, papyrus or something and pass it off. Go talk to them. Love your neighbor. Children of God, don't try to negotiate God's word based on your circumstances. You see that these are very narrow judgments in verse 32. Do not negotiate God's word based on your circumstances. You see, it would be a kind of a ridiculous thing, again, if someone, you know, this law would have been given, and along the way somebody say, you know what? My camel stepped on so-and-so's manservant. Ah, but it doesn't say camel. It says ox. I'm clear. That would be a pretty, pretty ridiculous thing to do. Don't negotiate God's word and don't be blind to the, to the clear instructions of God's word of how we're supposed to interact with one another. No. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Clear, clear, clear. Know this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What's the gift of God in verse 32? The ransom of life that was laid upon him. Yeah, that ox, he died. Devil made me do it. Well, the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Just wait and see. Revelation chapter 20. But how about the ransom for your life? Jesus Christ alone is the ransom for life. Again, he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. Jesus Christ bore it all. Thank God there is a ransom of life. Thank God for his tender mercy. See Love and mercy in the law of God. Don't do not see this as as, as something heavy that we're to look for it as an opportunity to love God and love your neighbor. Protect them, protect them. Remember the angels being higher beings, yet man as the lower creature received the ransom of grace. Thank God for that. You know, people can look and say, oh, yeah, I'm better than that guy. I must be saved. Well, the angels are so, in creation, they're so much greater than we are. In creation, by his created beings, they're so much greater than we are. Yet the lesser God gave a ransom of grace. Thank God. Thank God. Ransom of servants. Sinner, you are wont to push. You're wont to gore. Just every day, at every turn. You see, as we've seen in verse 28, you know, for weeks, well, ox, 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 ox. Well, that's a picture of your life. You get out, you kick, you push, you act like an ox. Figuratively, figuratively from, the, from the text here, you're a sinner, you're prone to sin, you want to sin. You can think yourself religious toward God. It doesn't say how many pallets full of heavy stuff this ox can pull. It doesn't say how, how worthy of a farm tool this ox is. It, didn't, it doesn't tell us if it has blemish or no. It doesn't, we, don't, we, don't know, we don't know what this thing looks like. And honestly, it doesn't matter. You might think you're really something toward God, religious or otherwise. Tell you what, it doesn't matter. Sin. The wages of sin is death. And this ox being the picture of sin through here. You ever injured one of God's servants? You ever injured somebody else before? Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? You ever injured somebody before? What if God truly treated you like an ox and said, you know what, there's no redemptive plan for you. You just deserve to die. Be stoned away with you. You deserve to die the death and be judged by God. In breaking, in breaking his law, you deserve to be treated like this ox as I did. 
But God came into this love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what it says in the book of Romans. Are you a sinner? Are you offensive? Have you sinned against God? Have you broken His law? Have you sinned and offended against another? Then in every point of the law, you are a sinner. The only way you shall have a a ransom of life is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Again, that 30 shekels of silver should lead our minds straight to Calvary. That is how the owner of that ox lived, in injuring another, whether small or great. The Lord said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Said that in Luke chapter 5 and verse 32. Did the Lord lie? I don't believe he did. Do you see yourself as one that has sinned against God? Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul told us that old jailer and, and Philippi, Sirs, what shall I do to be saved? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy, in thy house. You know what the Bible says about that man? That, that, that the Lord granted him repentance. And he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved in his house. The power of God. The power of God that can bring a ransom of life to his servants. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.